Support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And this week, we'll be talking with uh, nutritionists, chefs, and those affected by celiac disease to see what a diet without gluten entails, including the benefits and the drawbacks of going gluten-free. So we have uh, three guests with us in the, in the studio. Toby Foster is here. He's co-owner of The Owlery in downtown Bloomington. Bobby Saccone is with us, and she is a registered dietitian and nutrition counselor at IU Health. And Lisa Means is here. She's been a volunteer facilitator for the celiac support group at the IU Health Hospital Education Center, and she has celiac disease. If you want to join us today, please uh, give us a call at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, and we are also on Twitter at Noon Edition. So with all that out of the way, welcome to everybody. Thank Thank you. Thanks for being here with us. So I'm going to start with Bobby, and could you just sort of explain uh, the whole idea of gluten-free and why that's a good thing? Sure. Um, well, um, that's um, kind of a broad question. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's a good question, though. Um, um, gluten is um, a, a, a protein that is uh, found in wheat, rye, and barley. And when people who are highly gluten sensitive, specifically those that have celiac disease, come in contact with gluten, it uh, causes an autoimmune response in the villi of the small intestines. And the small intestines is where we do most of our absorption of nutrients and, um, and damages, damages the, the small intestines. Mm-hmm. So it is a, a serious condition and, um, and uh, gluten a gluten-free diet is really the only way that you can treat uh, celiac disease. And for people with gluten sensitivity, um, it can make them feel much better. What are the symptoms? The symptoms? Well, oftentimes the symptoms are gastrointestinal. So it can vary between constipation, diarrhea, bloating, gas, flatulence. But sometimes you don't have those symptoms either. Um, Typically, if it's... um, Somebody who has celiac disease, um, they might have trouble maintaining weight or weight loss, um, malabsorption, steatorrhea, which is just um, a, sort of a diarrhea that that uh, prevents shows your that body from having time fat. to absorb. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's a number of a host of other of other things, anemia and um, bone bone density loss, and so forth. All of which would go along with not being able to absorb nutrition. That's right. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. so um, Lisa, your Group, You're, You have a support group at IU Health. How long have you known that you had the disease? Um, over 10 years. Uh-huh. I, um, I have actually had symptoms of it for years since I was a teenager, and I didn't always know. I didn't know what it was. So it took years of going to emergency rooms with issues, and I was finally diagnosed um, here in Bloomington. So, uh-huh. Is so- that common for people to first notice it in their teens? Not always. It varies um, when people notice it. And some people don't know that they have it at all because they don't have any kind of a stomach reaction to it. It could be a skin reaction or um, they may just feel really tired or they might have neurological symptoms. And that's why I think it's a little difficult to diagnose is because the symptoms aren't always the same. Some people can have one symptom and others can have multiple Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so is this um, something that that has been? I mean, I know that we we've seen a lot more um, information about it. There's a lot more exposure discussion about it. Is it, was there some like um, milestone yeah. that caused people to really sit up and take notice? Well, um, I was reading a little bit before um, before we came, mm-hmm. and um, I, I came across an article that said that oftentimes it might take ten to twelve years to diagnose celiac disease. Um, However, I think that we have gotten better at diagnosing, and I don't have any specific statistics for you, but um, we have, um, we have, we have become better at diagnosing. There's serological tests, 
There's um, biopsies that are that are really the gold standard for diagnosing celiac. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like we're just more small aware. Small intestine biopsy. Mm-hmm. It sure would be. Oh wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's also genetic tests, but those are those are uncommon or less common. Um, but. I think that um, that I'm not 100 percent sure that it is on the rise because sometimes with these things, it's hard to tell if the if it, the prevalence is just increasing or if simply our testing and identification is getting better. Mm-hmm. Is there a cause that's recognized or is it just something either you have or you don't? Or is it something yeah. you can kind of is it like a almost like a. Um, a poison load or something that, you know, you can your body can handle it up to a certain point and then no longer. Well, celiac is an autoimmune disease just like lupus and uh, rheumatoid arthritis and type 1 diabetes. And so, um, uh, in fact, diabetics, type 1 diabetics are, are at higher risk for uh, celiac disease. So... Um, you know, there's there's um, there's over 100 autoimmune diseases um, that are that are out there. Um, there's really there's really um, there's really you know the, the same causes for all autoimmune diseases are are are, are very similar. Right. Okay. Our uh, phone numbers. We're talking about um, gluten, uh, being a, a, on a gluten-free diet. We're talking about uh, celiac disease, and but we're also going to be talking about recipes and a lot of really good things uh, about this. So if you want to join us and share, uh, you can call us at eight five five zero eight one one or eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, or you can join a live chat at wfiu dot org slash noon edition. Um, Toby, so co owner of the Owlery, which is on the north side of the square here, right. here in Bloomington. So are is your restaurant um, totally gluten free or do you do you have gluten free options? No, we're not totally gluten free um, by any means. We do have uh, gluten-free options. Mm-hmm. Um, about a, th- a third of our menu, I would say, either is gluten-free or can be made gluten-free by making some substitutions. And why, why did you decide to, uh, to have that many gluten-free options? Um, I th- when we first opened, it was just um, something that we wanted to do because we knew a couple people that had gluten-free diets, and we thought, oh, this would be a nice thing to have a couple options on our menu. And then um, I think we were really surprised by the amount of demand that there was for those those things. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that you offer and and uh, get into a lot more of the, the tasty recipes. But we have a couple of phone calls already, so uh, we're going to go to the phones. And Kara is first. Kara? Hello? Hey, Kara, go ahead. Hi, how are you? Good. Good. Um, I have a question. Yes, ma'am. I wonder if anyone's ever heard of... Um one of the symptoms of celiac disease being not being able to breathe, take a full breath. Hmm. Uh, I Bobby? have a son who's having all kinds of problems. He's allergic to a bunch of stuff. You know, we just can't pinpoint anything. And I'm wondering hmm. um, if there's anything to do with this. Well, um, no, I'm sorry. I've I've not heard of that. Although not being able to breathe is is a serious matter, and mm-hmm. um, that's a, a common reaction with. Um, uh, an allergy reaction of any type. So, um, going to an allergist would be would be a good idea. In fact, he did that, and he is allergic to grass, like all grasses. Does that have anything? Does that relate in any way? No, it really doesn't. Yeah. Um, but um, I hope that that you're able to find out what that is. I'm 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 uncertain. That okay. is tough. Yeah. yeah good, thank you. Good luck. Kara. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Kara. Yeah. Um, Grass, I mean, uh, gluten comes from wheat and grains, correct? Correct. Okay. So, I mean, can you sort of expand on what that, what all, what, what people avoid when they're on a gluten-free diet? Well, there is a huge list, and it's it's best if you are a celiac to go to someplace like um, glutenfreeindy.com has wonderful resources and links to everything you might need that and um, lists of all the allergens because you might have um, like rye, for example, um, barley rye. You might see barley on an ingredient listing. That's not a major allergen that's going to show on the label. So you really have to know what ingredients you're looking for. And there are th- things out there that are gluten-free, but they're not always necessarily labeled gr- gluten-free, 
but you do have to be careful of cross-contamination. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I noticed that on, on ingredient labels now, and they, they often will have that warning. Uh, yeah, I, was, I actually went to the Mayo Clinic site this morning and was looking at some things in their list, uh, which I'm showing here on the yes. radio. Uh-huh. Uh, is, <laughs> That's a great visual, it, Bob. It, start, it st- starts with beer and then <laughs> goes on you know, to, to breads and cakes and pies and candies and cereals and cookies and crackers and croutons. I mean, just a right. whole range of things. Salad dressings are right. on here, uh, self seasoned rice mixes, soy sauce. There yes. are a whole lot oh, of things. So. It's extensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, envelopes, it, too. Envelopes? So yes. licking an envelope? With, yes, and right. lipstick and oh things my gosh, like that. Wow. Some vitamins, prescriptions. Right. Wow. wow. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to go back to uh, the phones. We have Susan on the phone from Brown County. Susan? Hi there. Thank you. I have a question, too. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease about 30, 35 years ago. And once in a while, luckily not very often when I'm very ill and go to the hospital, they keep testing me for celiacs. My question is, is it something that can develop any time in your life or once you've been tested, is there a need to keep being retested? Yeah. Um, you can, this is, this is Bobby uh, talking. Um, <laughs> No, celiac can be um, diagnosed at, at any point in your life. In fact, it's oftentimes um, diagnosed in people over 60. So it's worth getting tested if, if that is uh, felt to be clinically indicated um, by your physician for certain. My understanding, I'm not a me- medical expert, but um, from all the folks that have come through our support group, um, you can... Uh, get tested and maybe later on it does show show up you know it, it it is it can be triggered by a traumatic event in your life sometimes and it doesn't really show the symptoms don't really show until that mm-hmm. point so, like like what like what like maybe um pregnancy having a uh-huh. baby um being in a major car crash mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. that just triggers um a lot of response from the body. Well, so I, I can't that's hard on your immune system. I mean, that right. makes sense, right? Right, it and, d- it, and it kind of just it, it triggers it. Now, it is it is highly hereditary. Mm-hmm. That's right. Is there a benefit to people who haven't been diagnosed with celiac disease um, to going on a gluten free diet? Um, I'd like to answer that. Sure. sure. Yes. Um, if. If you are at risk for celiac disease or if you are going through the process of finding out whether or not you have celiac disease, it is never recommended to go on a gluten-free diet at that point because it can mask the diagnosis, and that would be, that would be harmful. Um, typically, your diagnosis involves a blood test, which is, which is a pretty simple test where um, um, markers would, would be present, um, and then followed up by a biopsy. And it's that biopsy that can be really, really missed if, um, if somebody has already reduced the, the gluten in their diet or eliminated it. Oftentimes, the, um, the, the, um, the damage to the small intestines is localized, and so sometimes more than one biopsy has to take place over time to, to get the diagnosis. So not only is it hard to get to that stage of um, being tested, but it also is difficult sometimes to, to discern. Oh, well, it doesn't sound like yeah. much fun. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, Susan has a follow-up. Susan? Yeah. So oh. I wanted to make sure I understand. So you could have celiac disease. It's hereditary, and so that means you probably have it when you're born, um, and then it's hard to diagnose sometimes. Is that what I'm hearing or not? Yeah, yes. that, that is what you're hearing. And also, um, I should clarify that it doesn't mean that you, you know, if, if you do have a parent who has um, celiac, that you will definitely have celiac. It's right. still only 10 or 15 percent. But, um, but, yeah, one of the problems also with, um, with Crohn's and celiac is that oftentimes they might display themselves in similar ways just with the, um, with, with the complaints, with um, uh, different types of symptoms that you might have in your gastrointestinal tract. So, um, so it is difficult. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that, that's why I've been confused because I was diagnosed with Crohn's a long time ago, and yet they keep retesting me for celiac disease, and I'm just trying to figure out if it's necessary to keep going through those tests or not. And then I also, I hope this is okay, I wanted sure. to make a comment for the first caller who called that has this child that's having trouble breathing. I would highly recommend that they see a pulmonary specialist 
because that sounds very serious. Maybe he has asthma or something, mm-hmm. which I also have. So <laughs> right. That's why I was concerned and thought maybe she ought to check that out. All right. Thank thanks, you Susan. Very much. All right. Interesting program. Hey, thanks a lot mm-hmm. for the call. We appreciate Bye-bye. it. Eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, and you can join the live chat at wfiu dot org slash noon edition. Um, I think to follow up on Mary Catherine's question about you know, going on a gluten free diet if you aren't diagnosed with yeah. celiac disease, I know. Um, I think even uh, when I heard John Bailey on the way in when he was promoting this program, he called it a craze going on gluten-free diet. And and I had a um, I was talking to our high school intern before I came over here about mm-hmm. this show, and she said, "Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the kids in her high school are are, are sort of turning to that as sort of a." She said, "I, I kind of think it's a fad." <laughs> um, so I mean, for uh, weight control, I, well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bobby. Lisa? Why don't you go first? Lisa, and you I'll, go first. And then I'll finish. Yes. My understanding is some movie stars and all are saying that they're following the diet, so they look a little leaner. You know, people who lift weights want to look really good, so they'll go on a gluten-free diet, wheat-free diet. And so they feel like it tones – it makes their stomach look more tone because – you know, the theory is is that wheat does cause you know absorption of um, water in right in your intestines, and yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely see it as 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 a fad, and and over the past few years, um, working on a college campus, many. Um, many students sort of try a gluten free diet, and. Um, you know, sometimes it does um, clean up your diet. If you remove a lot of the processed foods um, that, you know, are made with refined flours, mostly wheat, um, in this country, um, and you're eating more whole foods, fresh fruits, fruits and vegetables, and, and so forth, um, you do feel better. And mm-hmm. so, you know, sometimes that is um, the reason why I think people feel better. But I do see it as um, something that people try to um, do occasionally to control their weight. As a dietitian, we always um, try to promote not removing foods from your diet that you're not allergic to because you miss out on a whole group of foods. Wheat is the most commonly used um, uh, grain in this country, although there's great alternatives. So if you're able to follow a gluten-free diet in a health way using other grains. It could be a very healthy diet as well, but many times, especially when convenience and, you know, cost come uh, come into, um, and time uh, yeah. come, come in, uh, it's, uh, it's not always necessarily a healthy alternative. Toby, would you tell us about some of the substitutions that you're able to make at the Owlery for people who, who want to eat gluten-free? Um, yeah, we, we keep uh, gluten-free bread around... Um, that's made from flax, I believe, and millet. And so a lot of sandwiches um, we can just put on gluten-free bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's other small changes that we kind of took into account when we were making the menu in order to make more things gluten-free. Um, using tamari, wheat-free tamari instead of soy sauce um, is just one example of a, a small thing that we did in, in order to make more gluten-free options on our menu. Has it been a popular option? Uh, yeah, I would say maybe as much as 10% of people that come into the restaurant, if, if I had to guess. Um, it def- definitely it has been a very popular option. So you've had a good reaction from people, and they're, they're pleased that you're offering these options? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And um, uh, something that we were talking about a little bit earlier is that I, I do think that most people that order gluten-free things at the restaurant – um, have made a, a choice to be on that diet rather than doing it because of an allergy mm-hmm. or um, uh, or because of having celiac disease. So, mm-hmm. well, I know um, I was in there with my wife and I were in there for breakfast a few weeks ago, and I think you had I think the pancakes were gluten free. Uh, did you have waffles, pancakes, French toast? Maybe maybe it's French toast. Uh, but there was some sort of gluten free. Um, Special on the menu okay. that day. It must have been French toast. That sounds. Uh, I, I don't think it was French toast. Okay. but right. we <laughs> do have several gluten-free things at, at brunch. Though. At brunch, okay. So what what could it have been? Do, um, give me a, we do a, a lentil breakfast at brunch. Okay. We did a huevos rancheros special. I think Ooh, sign me up. something that was <laughs> that was a gluten-free option. I believe. Uh huh. Um, All right. 
Okay, so if you uh, have questions, again, we're talking about uh, gluten-free uh, eating, a gluten-free diet, um, you can call us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Um, so on this list, this long list of, uh, of things here, I think there, there were, you know, it talks about the different kinds of, of wheats, I mean, semolina and uh, bulgur wheat and a lot of those different things. But then there are other grains, I think, that you can substitute. Is that correct? Other, other grains that are gluten-free? Yes. And what would those be? Um, uh, Bobby has a beautiful list here that's even colored and everything of all of the, <laughs> the different grains. So um, amaranth, um, corn, of course, um, rice, sorghum, wild rice, teff, quinoa, millet. Those are now the oats naturally are gluten free, but you have to be very careful because they are often processed with wheat or grown in fields near wheat. So you need to be sure that your oats are certified gluten free oats. Oh, wow. Yes. There, and there's, there's a, a quite few a learning places. curve on this, isn't there? there? Is. I mean, wow. How long did it take you to feel like, okay, I, you know, I really got my brain wrapped around what's going to work for me and what's not? It. It wasn't too bad because um, I I had a little plus being in the restaurant industry. I used to work for Whole, Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. I was a bakery manager, and so I was already familiar with alternative flours. That was out in Boulder, Colorado. It's very healthy out there, and people you know are used to eating alternative diets. So that really that helped me. But a lot of people come to our to come to the support group, and they are completely freaked out because they have no idea what ingredients are what. You know, they don't know that white flour is wheat flour, (laughs) you know, and things like that. So it's very hard for them to get started on this diet. An even bigger learning curve for them. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, I'm I'm always kind of confused about this because on this list of of grains and starches that that can be part of a gluten-free diet is buckwheat. Now, that just seems counterintuitive to me. Well, you know, just because it has wheat in its name doesn't mean that it has the <laughs> same amino right. acid sequence of proteins that um, that are that are damaging that we roughly call gluten, mm-hmm. so or generally call gluten. So that would be the reason why. But you know, I think uh, did you mention rice because. I think that um, when we think about rice, we might have in our mind, you know, white rice and, ba- and brown rice. But there are so many varieties of rice. Um, you know, there's red rice. There's wild rice. There's there's a million different um, uh, varieties of just um, uh, uh um, shapes of rice. We have long grain, we have short grain, we have risotto types of rices, and Blooming Foods is a good example mm-hmm. for, you know, of mm-hmm. just, you know, you go and you look in their bulk bins at, you know, 25 different varieties of rice right, right here. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that reminds me, I, I, and I was thinking earlier, this would be, I think, a challenge for somebody who lived in a smaller community and didn't have access to a Blooming Foods or a Whole Foods or a, a grocery store that is a little less mainstream than you often find in, in smaller communities. So do you, have, do you find people come from um, farther out to participate in the support group? And Yes, they have. Yes, because it, it is tougher for them. Some of them do it, you know, mail order is oh, e- yeah. is easier. I would prefer here, living here, I like to frequent the, the local, you know, Blooming Foods and Sahara Mart and all that. And they have a large variety there. So I think a lot of people do drive quite a ways and they stock up on a bunch of oh, food. Yes. We're going to try to get to, yeah, we, we are going to get to this phone call before we take a break. So Cynthia is on the line from Bloomington. Cynthia? Hi. Hi, go ahead. I was just toasting up some buckwheat groats for my uh, gluten-free Easter dinner when your show came on. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I'd just call and give my experience because it's sort of broad and touches on things that aren't usually um, associated with celiac. Mm -hmm. Sure, great. So about two years ago, I had a serious neurological event. I ended up having a demyelination at C4 in my spine. It's called a transverse myelitis. And they had absolutely no explanation for why this happened or whether it might happen again. And I'm a medical researcher by trade, so I started hitting PubMed hard <laughs> and did a good 30, 40 hours of reading and looking at all my other symptoms and things that were going on in my body. And I didn't particularly have digestive issues, but what I did have was geographic tongue, which is a spots mm-hmm. on the tongue. Mm-hmm. And my hair was falling out, and mm-hmm. I had... Um, 
pain in my joints, and I just felt, you know, old, basically, and I was only 43. So, um, but when I got to the geographic tongue, there were a lot of people saying, and a little research too, that that is basically a sign of celiac. That's the villi on your tongue dying off the same way that they do in your small intestines, and it's all one GI system. And so I immediately went off of gluten, and all of these symptoms in my body improved. My mm -hmm. hair started growing back, my tennis elbow went away. I mean, it was just shocking to me how much better I felt. And then in all my readings, I noticed that psoriasis and some eczema mm -hmm. and skin conditions like that could also be related, and I did not have that, but my, my nine-year-old daughter did. Yeah. And so we took her off of gluten, and her skin cleared up in like three weeks. And mm -hmm. if we accidentally get some gluten, we can see it first in her thumbs, actually. Mm -hmm. wow. So she's been gluten-free now for a year and a half, and I've been gluten-free for two years. Cynthia, can you share with us the rest of your Easter menu? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a little more complicated because I'm cooking for my sister as well, and she's also um, dairy-free. She's vegan. Oh, so. okay. But, um, well, actually, my parents are going to bring ham, so that okay. <laughs> we'll right. be a vegan meal, but we won't eat that. And... Um, but I'm making um, um, potato, a scalp potatoes with a non, with a vegan cheese sauce. Um, I don't use the fake cheeses, but the nutritional yeast gives it a real cheesy taste. Um, I'm making a pureed squash. Um, I've made some really nice dips. Um, yeah, there's, it's kind of endless. I'm making a chocolate cake. I mean, I'm a baker and a cook, and so I've had to reorient my baking. But it's been kind of a Fun challenge. Right. To do that. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing all that with us, Cynthia. We appreciate right. it. Yeah. Uh -huh. All right. Thank you. Um, I'm going to give the phone numbers before we take a break. Uh, again, they're 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. And you can also join our live chat at WFIU.org slash noon edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU with you by downloading our podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Okay, we're back. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we have three guests in the studio today. We're talking about um, gluten -free, um, a gluten-free diet and celiac disease. So uh, we have Bobby Saccone with us. She's a registered dietitian and nutrition counselor at IU Health. Lisa Means has been a volunteer facilitator for the Celiac Support Group at the IU Health Hospital Education Center. And IU Health Bloomington Hospital, is that right? IU, yes. Uh -huh. Yes, okay. And uh, also Toby Foster is here. Toby's co-owner of the Owlery, which you said how much, how many, what percent of your uh, your options are gluten-free? Um, about a third. About a third. So it's a place that you can go out and dine if you're gluten-free. If you have questions or comments, please join us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. And you can join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. So um, we were talking about um, a lot of uh, recipes and things, and, and uh, our last caller said that uh, she's a baker. So I wanted to ask a little bit more about that. And Lisa, I mean, what, what kind of substitutions do you do to bake gluten-free cakes, cookies, brownies? Well, there's a few different ways. Um, there's some good, very good cookbooks out there, Be Betty Hageman. You can go online. Celiac.com has quite a few 
um, uh, recipes on there. You can also purchase them um, pre-made mixes, you know, like the Betty Betty Crocker style, only gluten-free. And a lot of the ingredients are fairly healthy. They use good kind of quality sugars in them, Mm -hmm. um, like Namaste brand. It has wonderful brownies. They're excellent, chewy. I mean, I bring them into work, and people don't know the difference. Other things. This is when you're supposed to break those out. You're supposed to break those out now. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have had this in. (laughs) No. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of options out there. You just have to be sure that what you're the flour or the mix that you're getting is gluten free. Um, if it's stored in in bins in places, that's you're risking cross contamination there. Yeah, so it's better yeah. to get it out of a bag from a place that mm-hmm. that is certified gluten free. All right, well, we're going to go back to the phones. Uh, Michael is on the line from Bloomington. Michael. I wonder if people who are benefiting from gluten-free diets, those who don't have the disease, the actual autoimmune disease, mm-hmm. might actually simply be benefiting from the fact that they're getting white flour out of their diets. I have a feeling that we might be getting a bit of a bad rap here. Since mm-hmm. Almost by definition in America, if you're giving up gluten, you're giving up foods that have a lot of white flour and refined carbohydrates and things in them. It's remarkably hard to find just unadulterated uh, whole wheat products. If you read labels, many of them have added gluten and dough conditioners. And I'm also concerned that people who are just giving up gluten may actually be substituting other refined carbohydrates. I uh, doubt that potato chips are going to be very good for you, even (laughs) if you are benefiting from getting the white flour and things out of your life. Anyway, I wonder if this is an issue and if people might be barking up the wrong tree. A simple experiment you can make is put a cup of white flour in a cup of hot water and stir it together, you're going to get a glutinous mass. Pour the same hot water over bulgur wheat or whole wheat kernels, and you're going to have something you might actually want to eat. I'll let the panelists comment. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I agree with you in that um, – let me just take these off mm-hmm. – um, in that a lot of times when people do take the um, the gluten out of their diet, they are reducing the large amount of refined grains, processed and convenience, um, not very nutrient-dense foods out of their diet. Um, and so... Um, I believe that um, that that, and I agree with you. Uh, substituting a gluten-free product that also has those elements of you know being high in sugar and other types of refined grains really isn't a good substitute or healthy substitute for people who want to go gluten-free. So um, I do think that's why people that's why it's on the rise, and I do think that's why people are saying that they're benefiting from following a gluten-free diet simply because they're they're gravitating more toward whole food. Foods. Um, there's another whole subset of people. About one percent of the population has um, celiac disease, and that's really about you know uh, uh, one in 133 people. But there is some new research that says that there might be up to six percent of the population mm-hmm. that's actually gluten sensitive, and they do notice significant significant improvement with um, a gluten free diet those people can probably tolerate small amounts of gluten. And so they might include things like whole wheat in their, in their diet occasionally and in smaller amounts. And so there's a wide range. I think it's we, we always focus on celiac disease because those people are absolutely harmed by, by eating foods that have, uh, that have gluten in it, whole wheat and uh, uh, barley and rye included. So, But if you're a person who has a, a, a slice of regular pizza and a beer and you feel like you've got to go to sleep immediately or you're you know not going to make it out the door you might be a person who's sensitive to foods high in gluten is that right it could be yeah yeah it could be um i think that you know oftentimes there could be other factors too so it would have to happen in sequence you know you Mm -hmm. you you would have to sort of make the association oh every time Mm -hmm. i eat a food that has gluten in it i'm feeling this way um so, you know, I, I think with a, with a one-time occasion, maybe not, but if, mm-hmm. it's, if it's frequent and often and you can trace that back to gluten, Every time I eat this, pizza, I, feel, mm-hmm, yeah, I feel bad. And yeah. so forth, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. We have a phone call from Marsha from Bloomington. Marsha? Hi. Um, I wanted to let people know that there's a free online uh, resource called glutenfreecookingschool.com. 
and you don't have to join it. You can get quite a number of recipes without actually joining. Okay. Do you have a favorite one? Uh, well, I have a nice uh, all-purpose bread recipe that I got there. Oh, okay. And what what do you use and uh, what kind of grains do you use in the bread? Well, I get, uh, there's a mixed flour at Booming Foods, and it's $2.11 a pound, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's a blend of flours. And then you use xanthan gum as an addition and usually vinegar. Um, those are the extra ingredients that you wouldn't have in, you know, a regular loaf of bread. All right. Well, thank you a lot for that. And, and if you if you or anybody else out there is close to uh, your computer, you can send recipes to noon at indiana.edu. And uh, I'm sure Gretchen will put them on the website. So uh, we'll share. It is good to do a, a mix of these gluten-free flours because you're going to get a much better texture. And sometimes you can add like a little bit of... Um, course gluten-free yogurt or a little bit of light like hellman's mayonnaise that's gluten-free and it's supposed to give it a little bit more of a pop in your baking instead of making it so dense and crumbly that's a great tip what do you have some other favorite little tips that you have when you're either baking or cooking um not over mixing that can be a bad uh, that can be a bad thing um being sure that there is enough liquid in there and like i say using a mix of flours and um and all can cre- create a better feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> About how many people attend your support group on a? Or do we weekly, monthly? We met. We end up go, ended up going to um, just bi-monthly. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're just um, there's three of us. Um, Sally and Denise and I have uh, facilitated it for years, and so we're we are there as a contact resource. Since there's so much online anymore, mm-hmm. people can look it up so quickly. There's um, like um, gig. Um, um, gluten intolerance group, Columbia University. Um, like I said, the glutenfreeindy.com. There's so many resources that people use anymore that they don't they don't have to go to the support groups. But there are groups, many groups out there. I would think for people, especially who have just been diagnosed and are really just getting their, you know, trying to change their thinking on on what they can and can't eat, that some live interaction with another human being would be very important. It does help, and it gives them some encouragement that, you know, it's it's not the end of the world changing your diet, and there are some really yummy options out there. We, we had a question that came in on the live chat, and they want to know what the difference is between gluten intolerance and celiac disease. Um, gluten intolerance is sometimes just um, uh, also refers to those people who might be gluten sensitive. Um, so celiac really um, has has its own it, its own markers. Mm-hmm. So um, somebody who is celiac might say they're gluten intolerant, but somebody who's gluten intolerant um, is not necessarily with celiac disease. Mm-hmm. If that so makes it's something sense. you get. An, I mean, uh, we, we talked about this earlier, but you do get an actual pretty much ironclad diagnosis for celiac disease at some yes. point. Yes, the f- physician diagnoses it with a small bowel biopsy, and that confirms it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, our phone numbers are 855-0811-877-285-9348, and you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. We have about 10, 10 or 12 minutes mm-hmm. to go in the program. Um, one thought that sort of has crossed my mind as we've been discussing all this is is just the importance and I'm going to turn to Toby first about this but the importance of of actually thinking about what you're eating. I mean I think in in America for a long time people would just run to the grocery store grab something in a package uh throw it you know put it on the table and and eat it and I think probably with your restaurant and with a lot of other things that go on in Bloomington and elsewhere, of course, um, but we just happen to be here, there's a lot more thought these days given to, you know, what what kind of diet you want to be on, whether it's gluten-free or, or fat-free or, or whatever. Mediterranean. So, Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Toby, how do you sort of go about that when you're building your menu? Um, well, well, that's definitely something that I can um, relate to in my own life, having been... We, uh, I don't know if we've actually said this yet, but we are a vegetarian restaurant, and so I've been vegetarian for a long time now, and um, maybe seen a lot of people reevaluate their own diets when they either decide to go vegetarian or vegan. And um, yeah, I think that um, kind of like the the caller who talked about, well, maybe uh, the benefits that you're getting from going gluten free or from not eating white flour. I think that you could make a similar argument about 
uh, you feel better after you go vegetarian because you're not eating, you know, whatever it is, hamburgers or pizza, or, but just thinking about your diet more. So I, I do think that that's um, something that I can relate to. Um, mm-hmm. And so you have uh, you have veg- vegetarian options, obviously. When you're a vegetarian restaurant, you have a lot of vegan options mm-hmm. too, correct? Explain the difference between those two things. Um, a vegan diet is a vegetarian diet that doesn't include eggs or dairy products. Right. So you would, if you had a vegan pancakes, which is probably what my wife had that day, <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they um, wouldn't have butter in it. Is that correct? So, right. So how would you how would you make what substitution would you make there? Um, there's uh, Earth Balance is a, a margarine, a brand of margarine that you can get that. Um, we would use and we would use soy milk instead of milk or mm-hmm. do you find that this topic of both a certainly vegetarian but a gluten free diet is a topic among other restaurateurs in in Bloomington uh, locally owned especially or is it something they're really i would imagine you're kind of a resource for this information too um yeah I, I definitely think that it's something that's on the mind of most restaurants um in town at this point both the vegetarian diet and the gluten-free diet um even just on on the way over here i heard a ad on the radio for a restaurant that was advertising their new gluten-free menu so mm-hmm. uh I do think it's something that's on the mind of a lot of people. Okay, we have a phone call from uh, another Brown County person, Mary from Brown County. Go ahead, Mary. Hi, um, I've got a couple comments. Uh, when I was diagnosed, I was told by a friend that, Mary, you always are eating ice. Uh, and do you know that that is a, um, a symptom of being anemic? And, of course, being anemic is one of the <clears throat> ways to know if you... Uh, do have celiac disease. Mary, uh, let me interrupt you just one second. Did you say ice, I-C-E? Ice. Okay. Like, you know, uh, instead of going in and getting a cup of coffee I, at McDonald's, I would go in and get a cup of ice. Okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure we heard you correctly. Thank you. Right. Um, so that was, um, I, I just found that interesting. And I told people mm-hmm. that chew ice. You know, you might want to check anemia and and or celiac. Because the minute I started my diet, I was fine. Never... I don't chew ice anymore. Uh-huh. Of course, my teeth are... <laughs> right. <laughs> Good for your teeth. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I wanted to put a, a, a word in for teff flour, T-E-F-F. Um, it's uh, a brown flour, and if you're making your own bread, it's nutty, and it makes your bread brown, so you can kind of pretend like you have um, <laughs> 12 grain flours in your bread. So, And I uh, also want to say yay for the support group. Um, they got me through the beginning of knowing how to eat. So mm-hmm. enjoying your program. Oh, that's great. Thanks. All right, Mary. Thanks. Wonderful to hear that. Great. Right. Great. So are you familiar with that flour? I have, I have heard, and I have tried that flour, and it is nice to have a, a bread that looks multigrain kind of <laughs> and has different mm-hmm. flavors mm-hmm. and textures. Right. And I've had it in a pancake form, um, and I, I can't remember what restaurant on 4th Street I, I had it at. Maybe it was an Ethiopian restaurant where they put all of the entrees on top of the teff flour pancake, and, and then we, I think, dipped more of the the teff, um, oh, yeah. just like you would bread into oh. into the into it was delicious. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. kind of a thirty thousand feet question, but is this a <laughs> is this more of an American um, phenomenon? This uh, increase in people that were, and again, we don't know if it's just more people yeah. are being successfully diagnosed mm-hmm. or or more people actually have the right. the disease. But is it is it higher in Americans than it is in other cultures? Um, Higher meaning celiac disease or yes, higher I'm meaning sorry. the higher, amount of people on gluten-free diets? Higher meaning celiac, celiac disease. Celiac disease. You know what? I'm not really sure. I know that um, statistics from Canada certainly are similar to ours in the U.S. And we are, you know, not the only but one of the largest consumers of wheat products. Um, mm-hmm. Our main grain is not rice like, um, you know, a large part of the world. So... Um, it might not be identified. But I think it's important to, to point out that even with um, uh, 1% of the population being diagnosed with celiac disease, still about 90% of people are undiagnosed. So mm-hmm. a lot of people have it and don't even know. Right. Um, yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. My understanding was that um, it's actually people from European descent 
do tend to have the disease and more prevalence than other people. Um, and they do better or years ago. They did better testing in Europe. They almost tested everyone automatically. Oh, interesting. And, and I think the, the Canadians are pretty good about that, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. <coughs> All right. We have just a few minutes. If you want to get in a last-minute question, 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Nine three four eight. You can also send a question to the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Um, Lisa, I wanted to ask about uh, what, what are the, the most common uh, concerns that people have when they when they seek out your support group? Is it is it how they're going to eat and what kind of res- what kind of recipes they can have? Yes, and um, what restaurants to go to. Um, little particular things like ingredients that you don't that don't stand out on labels like malt or soy sauce. Yeah, that it says soy sauce. Well, me, soy yeah. sauce has wheat in it unless you get the the gluten free version mm-hmm. or you know mm-hmm. the tamari version. Mm-hmm. And and you know particular things like that or I'm following the diet, but I'm still having problems. So you really have to look at, okay, is your is your toaster complete? Is Did you get a brand new toaster? And it doesn't have breadcrumbs left behind in it because wheat breadcrumbs easily, easily spread everywhere on cabinets, things like that. You really have to get down and be very diligent about following that diet. Wow. That's right. something I never would have yeah. thought of. Yeah. No. And another thing that um, people who are newly diagnosed um, can do, and I would recommend it highly, would be to go see a registered dietitian. And we can give them a, 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 a bunch of educational materials about things like you're talking about, Lisa, with cross-contamination, because you have to know how to ask the right questions when you go out to eat and yes. um, mm-hmm. and go to other people's houses and so forth. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm... I, I'm interested that the Allery went to this, um, made this choice to, to be, uh, you know, as much as 33% gluten-free because it sounds like it's actually you really have to change the way you run your kitchen. Well, right. And something that we were talking about um, kind of before the show started is that um, I, I wouldn't even necessarily recommend that somebody who has celiac disease, um, you know, that they should definitely talk to the server and, and say... You know, I have this disease and um, I want you to get new cutting boards and use new pants and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. because um, such a large number of people that come in um, don't necessarily have that concern. And mm-hmm. so I think that, like you were saying, one of the things, uh, learning how to ask the right questions at restaurants, I think that we definitely do appreciate when people um, are direct in that way and say, mm-hmm. like, say, this is what's going on with me. This is what I need from you, and um, we definitely appreciate having yeah. that information. Are you able to accommodate that? With um, we, we try to, you know, like I said, new cutting boards, new pans. Um, we always tell people we use flour in the kitchen, we bake in the kitchen. Um, so we try to be very direct with people and say, mm-hmm. you know, we're not a gluten-free kitchen. We, we want to offer gluten-free things on our menu because... People have varying degrees of sensitivity and, Mm -hmm. you know, like we've talked about, a lot of people just want to do it for for health reasons or other reasons, but we are certainly not a a gluten-free kitchen. And most people um, are pretty understanding Mm -hmm. of that and I think appreciate um, that we are, are aware of that. Mm-hmm. I think we, we touched on this earlier, but I wanted to ask Bobby again. I, I know the, the Mayo Clinic site that I looked at, that there's a whole section about risk. If somebody somebody decides that they just want to go gluten-free, that there are mm-hmm. things that they will be cutting out. Um, what are the risks? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, for some people, they rely on grains to get um, to, to, to meet their nutritional needs for things like iron because grains are fortified with iron. Um, even our white grains, enriched grains are other B vitamins such as folate, which is so important, especially for women, um, and and so forth. Um, when somebody takes a whole food group out of their diet and doesn't have another substitution of a like grain, there can certainly be a lot of risk, um, especially for children or younger people, too, who are still growing and developing. We have to be worried about that. Um, so... 
uh, that would be that would be the main concern. Mm-hmm. I don't think dietitians should be called dietitians. I think you should be called dietary scientists. <laughs> well, right. it's basically. Yeah, I you're know. basically I mean, right. Really, I know. Anytime I sit down and talk with a dietitian, I'm always amazed by the amount of science that goes into science. everything you do. It's so, just, so, as a dietary scientist, <laughs> um, let's start are, that trend. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Is this? I mean, is this? Questions about about gluten are these? Is this uh, taking up a lot, a higher percentage of your time these days? Are there other, um, you know, what what are the the major issues that people are concerned about today? Right. Besides this, I guess. Besides this, well, um, <clears throat> there are there are a host of other allergies, um, including wheat, mm-hmm. and um, and people are concerned about that. Um, people are concerned about about weight control. You know, that mm-hmm. is that is probably the the, the largest concern. Um, I work, of course, on a college campus, so we see a lot of people with disordered eating, and, mm-hmm. and um, we help them in various ways and have a large um, group. I should also mention that my main job is with um, the um, IU Health Center, which is okay. not uh, different from IU Health mm-hmm. Bloomington, mm-hmm. Um, just, just to let you know. Um, we see a lot of people with diabetes, a lot of people with cholesterol issues and heart disease. Um, we see a lot of people who have pre-diabetes and pre-high blood pressure, mm-hmm. pre-hypertension. We also see a lot of people just for wellness issues. They just want to feel better. They want more energy. They want they want uh, to change their diet. They want to try something new, and they're seeking information for it, whether it's a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet or, or a gluten-free diet sometimes. Mm-hmm. So um, I wouldn't say it's maybe the most prevalent reason why people come in for the gluten-free um, information, but it comes up quite often. What's the most damaging diet you've ever uh, seen in terms of like one, some fad diet that's out there that people People, oh. you know, so many people started. Do we have another hour? Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, I think well, – We have another minute. We have yeah, one oh. minute. <laughs> Diets that really eliminate so, so many different mm-hmm. food groups. A lot of people go on um, fasts and cleanses quite often, um, and those are, those are proven, to, proven to be ineffective. Um, but, but diets that, you know, are promoting singular foods or just avoidance of, of large macronutrients like high-protein diets, for instance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. We're out of time. Uh, I want to thank our guests today, uh, Bobby Saccone, Lisa Means, and Toby Foster. And for um, Mary Catherine, of course, thank you. It's nice to be back with you. Thanks. Nice to be back with you, Bob. And for producers Gretchen Frazee and Emily Wright and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.